Welcome back to the Laptop Empires podcast. We've got Larry with us again. And this time we're going to talk to you about SEO for real. And you probably hear my baby. Yeah, she is fully in it this time. We're just going to roll with it. This is how we do things. So Paige is here making baby noises. And is she interviewing me today? I guess so. And uh, wow, <laughs> no idea what she's saying. But uh, Larry, welcome back. Let's talk some SEO. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So what do you want to know about SEO today? I guess the first point, you know, being SEO is definitely something I think a lot of people get wrong from the get-go. And it's a really mysterious thing, like a black box. So where do you want to uh, touch on uh, with well, SEO? I'm really interested to hear, because I know that a lot of our students are thinking about putting out content. They want to start blogs and use it as a way to get clients. And you know, more of, more of like a personal brand kind of thing. And you've gone through this process where you sold Investor Junkie, um, which was not really a personal brand. And now you've started your own site that is just you. So I'm curious, like, I want to know what the strategy is. I kind of know, but I think it'd be good to, to talk about that and see what, what you're doing. Because you're going to be trying to compete against some pretty, like, there's a lot of competition in the space that you're trying to get into with the digital marketing and all of that. Like, I feel like it's a very hard niche. And so I'm just curious. I think you're going to, like, crush people eventually but what is the strategy there? Like, how are you building a personal brand? Like, what are you doing with SEO to that end? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, with Investor Junkie, right, I had a corporate brand. And that corporate brand really didn't focus on myself. I didn't really have, I wasn't the, the talking head. I wasn't really the spokesperson for the brand itself. I had multiple authors. And in fact, actually, that was one of the things I wrestled with that I think you do really well with Money and Money Man is the emails are much more about you personally speaking out on various topics. And the website's now more focused on SEO. So I think that's a smart strategy. With my own brand now, with LarryLedwood.com, I think it's definitely different. I mean, you, you need to work on, because you and yourself is the expert in that said topic. You know, there's no one else where Investor Junkie, I did definitely bring on other authors to bring on the said topic. So you have to definitely start from somewhere. And I'm starting from kind of scratch because I didn't really build out and parallel a, a personal brand and being an expert in internet marketing, even though I was. So I'm kind of having to slowly build out, go on podcasts. You know, believe it or not, podcasts is definitely an SEO strategy. And I've used that in the past uh, six, eight months where I was on various podcasts before this one. And it, it's worked out so far well because if Google realizes that, you know, if it mentions my name, it sees on the various podcasts, it actually transcribes the various podcasts and figures out, you know, it's being mentioned. Even though there's, there's no necessarily direct link, it does look at the name mentioned or referral of, Larry Ludwig Internet Marketing, Larry Ludwig SEO, Larry Ludwig Affiliate Marketing. And all that gets tied back to brand equity for myself. So what exactly are you going for? So like digital marketing, you know, we've talked about, especially in the last podcast episode we did where it's like you need to niche down. Digital marketing, like, or is it mainly affiliate marketing? Like, where are you going with this? Like, what is the, the key? What are you trying to take over 
I mean, affiliate marketing really the key. So I, I think the strategy, definitely the route I'm going is to divide and conquer. And it's the same strategy I did with Investor Junkie. It's supposed to be to cover every niche or every topic, really just go down the rabbit hole of one topic mm-hmm. and expand on that as I progress down the road. So right now, affiliate marketing is, I think, the key wedge, if you will, that I think not many people are doing and doing well and or understanding it. So I, I think that not only because of my background, but I think more importantly, I don't think it's discussed enough online. So I'm going to really focus on affiliate marketing. That's where I've been going. As I grow, I will add other things as well. But right now, it's going to be purely affiliate marketing has been my strategy. So just to clarify that, then you're basically saying like, hey, I'm going all in on this one vertical and I'm going to try and cover it very in depth in every little nook and cranny of it. And then once you feel that that's there, then you're going to go, okay, now I'm going to start doing it in the second vertical. And then maybe you're, I'm going to go back and improve the first one. And then I'm going to start a third. And so you're, you're building exactly. pillars one at a time. Okay. Exactly. Where, I mean, look at how other people have done it in this vertical digital marketing or otherwise is they, they become known for whatever said topic. And then they, they branch off into other areas as well. I mean, that's really how anyone builds out a personal brand in my eyes. It's try, you, you shouldn't be a jack of all trades for a personal brand. I think that leads to failure because no one's going to go, well, what do you stand for? And you need to stand right. for something. But as you grow, you can stand for more things. Yeah. And I think we deal with that a lot with Laptop Empires because obviously Bobby and I come from different backgrounds and have a wide depth, you know, wide variety of knowledge. And so I don't think we did good out of the gate of like, all right, let's focus on this one thing. It was kind of like we've talked about whether it's the podcast, or the blog, the blog's better about it now, but I think the podcast and the YouTube channel have suffered from like just talking about all kinds of different things you know, whereas maybe it's like, okay, no, let's focus here and then this next piece and, and, and build from there. You know, we didn't do that first, but I think that now we're starting to do that. Yeah. And related to SEO, Google rewards you for that because if Google wants to, again, you can't just decide to write about various topics on a blog or any, any site and Google needs to know what do you fit into? What is your niche? What is your categorization? Because if a personal finance blog is much different than a, a, a you know, blog about making money online. Even though they might be similar and have some overlap, Google does, to write a topic on, say, investing right now for me on, on my own personal brand, I would never rank for it because of, I'm not a site about investing. I'm a site about you know, digital marketing, affiliate marketing. And Google's put me in that categorization. I need to really cover that full topic before I can start really ranking for those said topics. And I'm starting to. It's a slow process. But it, as you build momentum, it gets faster and easier. So you talk about all you talk about is about digital marketing and then discuss one specific topic on it you should rank for that pretty easily. Where again, out of the blue, you start talking about that said topic, again, using investing again as the example from my blog, I would never rank for it. It's just totally out of the blue. And for me to rank for it is kind of hard to do. And it goes back to the previous podcast where we said, kind of stay in your lane, you know, talk about that one said topic and really talk about it in detail. Don't decide to talk about, you know, yoga for cats or something stupid like that. You know, something that's just off the wall, it might be funny, it might be interesting to some but it's never going to rank for an SEO. So how long do you think that it's going to take you to really like take over that affiliate marketing niche? Because like for me, I, I really want to take over like the make money niche within personal finance. Like that's my goal. And I feel like that's going to take a couple of years. Like what do you think it's going to take you? How long is it going to be? I mean, SEO is a game of the long play. It's at least six months to a year before you start seeing results. If you focus on, in your case, you know, side hustles. I mean, you already sort of ranked for that said topic, but if you're completely changing your you know, pivoting, it may take it's about six months to a year, I guess is what the usual is for SEO. It's not something overnight that you can instantly 
you know, change. Where paid traffic, on the other hand, you want to rank for said, some said right. topic. You just create a landing page and buy the buy keywords it. and you're done. Can we put a number on this? Like when you say like it's going to take six months to a year to see results, like what are you considering results? Like what, it, what does that look like from a traffic standpoint? I'm assuming it's lower than people would think, but. I mean, you're starting to rank some of the keywords on the first page of Google. I mean, the thing definitely you have to be aware of with SEO is if you don't rank on the first page, you might as well just forget about it. So if you see results that you're just not ranking on the first page for, you, it really should be a warning sign or a telling sign that you need to change your strategy or perhaps improve that article or get more backlinks or really become more the authority in that said topic because you're, just not, you're not ranking for it. It's too competitive. To what Bobby mentioned, I mean, for digital marketing, you're right. It's very competitive. It's interesting. Definitely for my research, it's, it's more competitive in one hand and the search volume is there or similar to personal finance. The long-tailed keywords just literally drop off a cliff. So you go from... You know, thousands of results for something really short-tailed in terms of keyword research. And then all of a sudden you do something with a few extra words added to it. And it's like 20, 30, 40, 50 search volume per month. It's just amazing compared to personal finance that had a much bigger depth of topic where, you know, it depends on the niche. You know, that's something you have to definitely be considered. And SEO is only one strategy. Keep in mind that you should never do, at least in my eyes, you rely on something you can't control. So you should have multiple sources of traffic as well. And that's kind of what I'm doing as well. It's not relying on just SEO. And you can when you have your own product. Okay, that makes sense. So for you, I guess, you know, people, SEO is such a big topic and I didn't realize this. I thought SEO was like very straightforward when I first started doing this, but it's a, it's a really kind of like expansive topic. So I'm curious, like, what do you focus on more in the beginning? Is it content quality and like going after the, the, the right keywords? Is it user experience on the site? Or is it like site speed and like technical, well, I guess it's more UX or backlinks, I guess is the other big one. So like, what are you, I know it's like, you should focus on all of them, but like, what is the most important thing that somebody that's like, okay, I, I have a website. I want to start focusing on SEO. Like, where do they need to start? Is it content? What is it? Well, content ultimately, because of content, what drives SEO. So years ago, you'd be able to game Google or other search engines for that matter to rank for some topic. You just repeat the same keyword a thousand times at the footer of the page and you'd rank for it. You know, obviously, that doesn't work anywhere near nowadays. If anything, you need to really... It used to be a time you'd write more for the SEO for the search engines than you write for a human. And nowadays, it's really becoming more and more one and the same from Google, which is great. So you're writing more for the user. So to your point, it's not only good content, but it's also good user experience. If you, you, know, you pop up an ad as you first come to the site, you know, a pop-up of, say, join my mailing list, which I hate. You know, Google realizes that as well. It's a poor user experience. It'll make it much harder for you to rank for that said keyword. So it's really a multiple issues. Backlinks, believe it or not, for Investor Junkie, for my first five years, I didn't focus on backlinks at all. Yeah, and that's what, that was what I was going to kind of ask you. I haven't really focused, like I have a decent backlink profile just because I've been featured on various websites, but I haven't really focused on getting more backlinks to the site but I'm starting to rank for things and I'm starting to rank for things like page one or top three results against other sites that have much more developed backlink profiles than mine. So does that speak to the content being better? Does that speak to the UX being better? Like, is that, you know, is it that much more important to have better content these days or is there something else there? I mean, you can definitely rank for, if you are considered an expert by Google and that said topic, you can rank for a keyword with zero backlink. Okay. It's on a medium level competition, on a really high, really high competitive keyword. Either rank number one or the top 10, let's say, it'd be pretty hard, but it's okay. possible. For the most part, you have to be 
it goes back to the domain authority or your expertise in that said topic. If you're an expert in that said topic, Google will more likely rank for other articles you create, you put out brand new for that said topic. So that's the first issue. But to your point, is also user experience as well. Going back to the, you know, using the, the pop-up of an ad runs your first land on the page. You know, poor user experience like that. Google wants to see organic traffic add value to the reader. Where paid traffic, and this is something I've mentioned in a course of mine, is paid traffic is much more about you can go fully transactional. Yeah. Uh, where Google wants for organic to see you add value. So even the most transactional intent keyword, let's say the analogy I use is what's the best mortgage rate? What's the best mortgage rate is a very transactional keyword. But even still, you need to add value by adding content, adding functionality, than just going for the kill of you know, sign up for our affiliate link or go you know, sign up for my mortgage application. Google wants to see organic add value in some way, shape, or form before it ranks for it. So you can't go as much transactional compared to a paid uh, traffic. I mean, let me add this. That's something I definitely want to make sure we talk about on the podcast. Is SEO is really thought of this other thing out there in, in terms of um, sales processes. It's really another sales funnel. It's really the best way to think of it. Instead of through paid traffic, it's something that Google's just ranking organically. So you've got to look at it as another sales funnel. And I think that's a key distinction that most people don't think of SEO out of the gate. Right. So I guess what, what is the strategy to, to get to that point? Like, how do you get Google to see you as an authority? Is it by coming on podcasts like this one and talking about, you know, whatever it is, trying to get featured in various websites on that specific thing that you're talking about? You know, it's multiple. Yeah, multiple. I mean, it's SEO for podcasts is one strategy I'm doing now that's pretty new. It is also writing good content. You know, you want to write content that people would want to naturally backlink. I mean, to your point, yes, you should have a backlink strategy of some sort, but ultimately you can't control what people link to your site. Right. You can control your user experience. You can control the content on your site. You can control the functionality of your site. You can't control whether some other blog is going to link to your site. I mean, obviously you can pay for it. Right. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. You shouldn't do that, but you could. I mean, people have in our space in personal finance paid for boatloads of backlinks and Google figured out it was paid backlinks and demoted them to nothing. So overnight. So that, that's a, a dangerous strategy in my eyes. But ultimately backlinks you can't control. So you can't control those backlinks. You've got to focus on, I've always looked at what can you control? And this is no different than any other business strategy is you can control your content. You can control your site. You can control you know, what you do on your site and start from there. So content first, user experience, and then backlinks. Is it still possible to like really trick Google? I, you know, I just look at all these strategies that people used to use of like keyword stuffing and the, you know, just getting ton, buying tons of links and all that kind of stuff. Like, is it possible to do that? Or has Google gotten so smart at this point that it's not worth doing that or it doesn't? There's always some black hat SEO strategy that I've seen out there. There's always some new, it's a cat and mouse game. You know, you as an SEO person doing black hat, black hat means doing stuff that is against, you know, the wishes of Google or other search engines. Now, granted, some people say everything is black hat if you're optimizing for SEO, but let's just assume you're doing stuff that's clear violation of Google's terms, like buying backlinks or, manipulating the content to rank high a said keyword. Eventually, Google will figure it out. It's a matter of not if, usually when. And it's not to say that you couldn't rank very well and do very well for time beer, you know, for years, mo- you know, months, years, whatever. Eventually, Google will figure it out and you'll be you know, high ranking number one really well for a keyword and then all of a sudden disappear anywhere on the search results. And that's a dangerous, from an SEO strategy, that's a dangerous game. I'd rather just play by the rules Granted, Google has changed the rules over time and changed the playing fields, moved the goalposts many times. But in general, they've 
stayed pretty consistent in what they define as what's considered good content to rank for search. Why does Google not just own all of this stuff internally? Like, why don't they just hire a bunch of writers or have, you know, just have mass produced content, fill up the, the SERPs with all of their own content? Like, why do they allow, why do they, why allow do they websites? need to? It's is free it just, labor. It's yes, free labor. I mean, this is the ultimate in, in um, you know, content created by others. I mean, Google is just harnessing the power of, you know, what is it called? Social, not social proof. What's it called? Social um, user generated content. I forget the actual terminology. I mean, to your point, if anything, Google as of late is resulting in less, organic search is yielding less and less results to third-party sites. If anything, Google is pulling more and more content from your own blog, from your own site, and using it in the search results, which yield a, what's called a no-click. Yeah. It's actually, we've passed last year, was it, I think? We've gone past, in some cases, past 50% yield of no-click. So people are staying more and more on Google's property, which, to your point, is that makes sense for them. They want to keep it within Google's ecosystem and get the answers within Google itself as opposed to going to your blog. So you're at odds, obviously, with organic search against Google. And again, the yields of clicks have decreased over time. What used to yield, in some cases, you know, 30% click-through rate for being number one is yielding, in some cases, 20% or less for that same number one position because of this more ads, there's more what's called featured snippets, there's more other questions that people may ask, you know, much further and higher above that, that fold. So therefore, Google is is obviously trying, they can, it's their own system and I don't blame them. It's for their own right to do that. And I, as a shareholder, it's to my advantage. But as us as bloggers, it stinks. You know, you got to look at, you can't rely on just SEO as well. You got to look at other forms of traffic and not just rely on one source of traffic. So where, where's the end game in this? Like, do they eventually just take over? Like, do, do they, they take over the just, world? Yeah. Well, like, do they just <laughs> eventually take over all of page one? Like, it seems like they've got to play this game of where they keep it, to where there's incentive for bloggers and people to continue to write this content for them for free. But they're also trying to like slowly creep in, like, you know, pull more of that content on the first page and, and keep it in their ecosystem. Like, where do you see this heading as far as SEO in the next, I don't know, five years or so? Like, is it going to be worth it anymore? It is. I mean, I think it's always going to be worth it. But in the same notion, look at the users. Users are rewarding Google because it's free to use. and. Right. Obviously, if they yield poor search results or all paid ad banners, let's say, the user experience for them will also decrease. So Google's fully aware of that. I mean, it's a balancing act on their side, too. And obviously, they've been pushing more and more to generate more revenue through their own properties and their own ads that they serve. So I don't blame them for that. But in the same notion, you know, there are other services like DuckDuckGo that's taking recent popularity because of privacy issues, perhaps, or other issues as far as relevancy of the search results that people don't like. So Google right now is the obviously the number one de facto search engine out there, but it doesn't mean it always will be like that. At some point, if Google screws up and really hurts user experience, people will go somewhere else. I mean, keep in mind, when I first started in 94, 95, there was no Google. You know, the big search engines at the time were Yahoo and AltaVista and uh, what was the other one? Webcrawler, I think it was. There, you know, there was Google wasn't even, in the, wasn't even existing at that moment. Right. So keep in mind, it, it could easily happen just again. I mean, so right now, Google is the de facto authority. But, you know, as things change, as search changes as well, we're getting more and more using, you know, devices like Alexa or, or you know, Google Home. So therefore, you have various devices to access search now more than ever. And you've got to also, from a, for your end as SEO uh, expert, you've got to really figure out how people access your content. And it can, be, can definitely rank for certain keywords very easily because of it's much more natural language for, say, using Echo than say for on keyword search on Google, it's much more keywords. It's like you focus on, you know, web hosting, you know, best web hosting where 
on a device that you speak to, you're looking usually speaking natural language. What is the best hosting provider out there? Right. So it's, it's different thought process. And Google is kind of adapted as well. There's been past year what's called BERT or the BERT update, you know, as in BERT and Ernie. And it's much more natural language processing as well. So to your point, keyword stuffing has become much, much harder to do. That's almost impossible. Like, again, there's a step. Right. But it's very, you're wasting, honestly, you're wasting a lot of time and effort to do something that you probably won't ever rank for. I think it's also when you think about this stuff, like them pulling more out of the articles and having those feature snippets and stuff. I mean, you can take the view of like, oh, they're, they're taking this away from the blog. You know, this is going to hurt us. But I think if you take a, a more long distance view, sorry, baby girl started talking as soon as I did. But I think if you take like a, a more long-term perspective of this, like it's really to the benefit of the blogger, like you mentioned with being a good user experience and, and making it so it's like, okay, when I do these searches, it's more effective. Maybe it takes a little bit away from you, but it makes it more relevant longer. I think like a really direct comparison to that is think about how much people freaked out when Facebook squashed reach from Facebook pages, you know? And it was like, oh my gosh, I can't get this reach. But the more, the people that were really in it and building that business and we're relying on that platform that we're willing to advertise and pay to play, you know, it created this situation where it, it allowed businesses to thrive more on Facebook. It didn't help all businesses because some people weren't willing to play the new game and weren't seeing that like by doing this, they're freeing up real estate and allowing ads to be more effective and everything like that. But I, I think it's kind of similar in that like, okay, they're making a change. Maybe it feels like a negative in the moment, but you know, that with Facebook, I think like kept them relevant and allowed the businesses that were using that platform to continue to use them for way longer than they might've. I, I can see that's kind of similar with, with Google, like you said, with making it a better, that balance of like good user experience and still incentivizing bloggers. Yeah. I mean, they, they ultimately, they're, they're a for-profit business. So I don't blame them for doing what they're doing. As us as bloggers, it may stink a little bit, but you're getting free. I mean, I always tout, be it through social media, through Google, through YouTube, whatever channel, you're renting that, that traffic. You're not, you don't own that traffic. I mean, you, this is the, why I would suggest you should own a blog and own a mailing list. It's one of the two few things you can actually control, have control over and own, where if you're doing well through organic search, one minute you're doing well, and next minute you could lose 50% of your traffic overnight. It can easily happen, and it has happened. I mean, I, I at one point lost 25% of my traffic in a very short period. And, you know, I recovered because I was able to become uh, learn more about SEO and become much more, better at it SEO-wise. But, yeah, obviously that stinks. You know, if you rely on just one source of traffic, SEO, paid traffic, whatever, you're really limiting your business and you put yourself at risk. So at the very beginning, like you, when Bobby was like, hey, what, what is the main thing you got to focus on? And you talked about like content, you know, and if you're going to try and do all these little shady things, it might help you in the short term, but then it's going to end up hurting you. But a focus on good content, providing answers, user experience, all this kind of stuff is really going to like help you shine no matter what happens. And I think that's something we've seen this year with like Bobby, with his content on Millennial Money Man, when changes went into place and people were just tanking the algorithm, like he started thriving because like he was putting a focus on the content. So for people that are trying to put a bigger emphasis on SEO and they want to emphasize and create better content for SEO, what do you recommend that they do or they focus on? Like, how do they make their content better? Well, I look at, like I said, I look at SEO as a part of a sales funnel. I always do an audit when I work with my clients. It's the, let's talk about the first thing that people access your, your content first. And that's the, you know, what's called SERP or search engine result placement. And that means what you actually see in Google. 
And what can we do to increase that click-through rate right then and there? So let's, it's an easy win in most cases because most people don't even think of it or optimize that first level of search. So if you're already ranking for stuff, take your winners and figure out how can you make, increase that click-through rate to going from Google to your site. And some of it's just increasing what's called screen real estate, having more of a presence within the search results. So in other words, you may still rank the same numbers, let's say third position, but you can increase your click-through rate because of you have what's called FAQ snippets below your article. You have, you know, if it's a review, let's say, it actually has star ratings in the review on the search result. You can have other things as well to just ensure you have much more of a presence within Google. You know, simple things like your title. Your title, I, this is a big pet peeve of mine. A lot of people will have search results with the title not optimized, and it'll show what's called ellipses or shows like dot, dot, dot at the end of the title. And to reader, it looks like an incomplete thought. So if you can try to fit your title within Google search results, again, this is just a simple change that can yield 2 3% rate. And again, that's not changing or improving your rankings. That's just simply improving what you have now. Totally makes sense. So, okay. So as a first point, taking a look at what you have, how, how can you improve it? When you're creating new things, like what are you focusing on if you're starting and you're like, okay, I'm going after this keyword. I'm going to write this article. Like, well, I mean, yeah, the tool, the tool should be, you should definitely get a tool like Ahrefs. I mean, I can't highly recommend, recommend that enough. It's a great tool. It really allows you to figure out you know, what your search volume is for certain keywords. You may think it's a great keyword, right? You go to look at Ahrefs and it shows it's no search volume or shows you it's like 100 people a month search for that keyword. So that, that's first and foremost is not only the search volume, but how difficult. And Ahrefs allows you to do this. And there's other tools as well. And you can also use some of Google's free tools to figure this out. It's figuring out how much traffic value you would get for that said keyword and how difficult it is to rank for that keyword. Because of, you know, if certain keywords are difficult to rank for, but yet it's just a lot of volume, it doesn't do you any good. You're, let's say, just starting out like I am. We need to rank for, say, the keyword affiliate marketing. It'd be really a waste of time right now. So and on top of that, longer tail keywords usually are not as effective, meaning people always want to go for that big traffic, but it's about quality of their traffic. And usually longer tail keywords like, I have a blog, I have an article that's best affiliate marketing programs for beginners, very long tailed, but it's very specific and very actionable and does very well and ranks very well because it's as opposed to just ranking for affiliate marketing because it's a very generic keyword and people are going to be interested in that said topic more so, but it, the actionability of it is much less. The intent is much less. So you have to realize not only search volume, but is the intent there as well. And that's something that the tools don't tell you that you kind of have to figure out and understand your audience yourself. You have to know Again, what people are searching for, what their intent is, because of one intent is different than another. I mean, I'm right now, for example, uh, doing paid traffic, but it applies the same for paid traffic, is I'm doing how to start a blog, and how to start a blog as a keyword is too generic than how to start a blog for money. You know, that's a big, small, you know, adding just a one, two words to it can make a huge difference in intent. Right. Well, I think another, you know, thing is when you're talking about intent is just like, what is the action the person's taking from that search, like buying intent, you know? And one of the things I've noticed is if you are doing like a versus article, right? Like we've been focusing on webinar stuff. If you write an article on easy webinar versus ever webinar or, or something like that, if somebody is searching that, then they are at the point where they've decided they're going to purchase this product, one of these products, and they're just trying to decide which one's better. You know, and so 
you can, maybe that doesn't have as high a volume, but if somebody goes through your article and you've made a really good case for one or the other, or for both of them, but laid out the features really well, that might answer whatever questions holding them back from like making that buying decision. And now they're just making it through your link because it's like, okay, you convinced me I'm getting ever webinar or whatever it may be. So well, I, I my, think I was going to say my comment to that is you're absolutely correct. It's the intent, but it more importantly goes back to my whole thing about sales funnel. It's mm-hmm. they're much further along in that decision-making process of sure. deciding which one is right for them, or they may already be at one of them and looking to switch to the other one. Is this other one right for me instead? And to your point, it's highly actionable. It's longer tail, but people are wanting to take action on it because of it's further along that sales funnel. So always think of SEO as part of that sales funnel and where they're at. Again, what is a mortgage is a much different intent, much higher up in the sales funnel than what's the best mortgage rate. They're right now looking to be educated on what is a mortgage, where what's the best mortgage rate. They're wanting to, they already, already have a mortgage or looking for refinancing or buying a new house. So the intent is there. So therefore that, even though they'll have much less volume, They'll, as far as a uh, profitability for you and as a uh, transaction, be it your own product or affiliate, will make much more money. Should you be targeting one or the other more when you're first starting out and trying to build up? Like, should you be focusing? Because I love the, how you think about it as a sales funnel. I, I know I never would have thought of that before talking to you. Like, so is it better to focus on the bottom of funnel type stuff where they're more ready to buy, but maybe less volume or higher volume stuff. That way you can start to kind of build the audience. I mean, I'm sure the answer is it's a mix, but I mean, is there, do you emphasize one or the other? I would say focus more on the lower end because of the, the traffic volume is less, the competitiveness is less, but the intent is high. It's an easier win for you as a, as a blogger or someone just starting out with SEO. So I would start with more of the actionable keywords first than more of the educational ones. That's not to say you shouldn't intersperse or intermix the two, but for the most part, those are going to be your money-making pages, be it your own product or otherwise. Totally makes sense. So would you say for SEO, because I think one of the big, maybe this is just in the personal finance space, I don't know. Um, one of the big knocks against like websites that really focus heavily on SEO is that they are like kind of soulless in a way. Like there's, like there's no personality to them or, or, you know, whatever. But like for me, like I try to balance it. We talked about it, I think earlier where it's like I try to, put all my personality into the email marketing and then like the SEO stuff is just answering the question for the user. Um, but do you feel like you can put personality into content and have it rank well, or does it need to be just like straight up answer the question, no extra fluff, like just cover the topic fully? I mean, you can have a story, but I think for the most part, and I've, I've talked about this in a course of mine, is that there's no bedtime stories, I like to say. And I think there is something to say, you got to be more Search by very nature is much more intent filled, meaning people by very nature, they're searching on Google to solve a problem, whatever it may be. And other mediums like Facebook, people are not going to Facebook to solve their problems. If anything, they're trying to escape their problems. Um, so that's where storytelling does much better for ads, let's say. Let's use the analogy of ads compared to the two. You know, Facebook ads are much more about storytelling, much more about a story, and then with perhaps intent to purchase something or go to a page to get a lead. Where Google ads, on the other hand, it's much more, I'm looking to solve a problem and solve it pretty quickly, or at least at some level, sign up to an email form like I'm doing now for my, my uh, starting up blog. So it really depends on the channel they're going through. So search by very nature is intent-based. So therefore your storytelling has to decrease. You can add, interject story here and there, 
But in the end, it's, it's ultimately people just, this goes back to something with Mike was kind of um, talking about, and I'll mention it here. People want to have the, you know, don't make me think, just tell me the answer. They want a really shortcut. They're looking towards you to be the expert in some right. said topic, as opposed to just rambling on about your life story. And no one cares about that. They want to solve their problems in the end, not, not yours. So you can intermix and add a story to help it make it relatable. But in the end, it's got to solve their problem, where Facebook can be much less so. So do you think you can build? I mean, obviously, I think the answer is yes, before I ask this question, but I'm just kind of curious, like, can you build like a vibrant personal brand with only SEO traffic? It's harder. I mean, that's the thing I wrestled with with Investor Junkie. That's a great question. Where it was so SEO focused that it again, but I also purposely didn't want to make it about me. Since you're the, the, the talking head or the expert in, or the guru in that said topic, you know, it doesn't, if anything, it can lend itself more to SEO because if people want to make sure, and Google rewards you too, that what's called EAT, expertise, authority, and trust. You know, Google really, you know, if you're writing, especially about topics like personal finance or health, Google wants to make sure you're giving out good, solid advice. You know, making sure that, you know, you're not giving some crazy advice on, I don't know, uh, you know, invest in Bitcoin and you'll get a thousand percent return overnight or, or masks are not effective in COVID or something crazy like that. Google wants to make sure it is time-tested, true issues. So by all means, you've got to talk on topic as well. But getting, so therefore, you, you know, it's all related to being an expert and that's a topic. You can't then go to expect to rank for, you know, 401ks are bad, but yet meanwhile, most of the people in society will say 401k plans are good. You've got to be within the, the social norms on that said topic, especially in, in personal finance and health. I think just like working with so many personal brands over the years, like what personal brands really struggle with from what I see is like with initial contact, they make it so much about themselves, right? And they're, they're worried about the stories or like getting people to like them or like sharing their motto or their logo or like all these kind of things. And like, I, I have a rule with my brands that I work with of like, we do not use any branding on the front end. Like I just don't allow it you know, cause it's, it's distracting. It's like, we need to focus on that person. I think kind of applies with this with blogs too. Like people are coming in at first, they just want answers. Like you, like you said, Larry, like all they want is like, I'm Googling to get the answer to this question. And your goal isn't to right then is to get them to get the answer from you. Right. And then in that system, if you can get them to take another step, maybe you can say, Hey, here's the answer. And if you want to know more, here's the related, the next step. And that's where they're getting onto your list and everything. Now they're in your world. And that's where you can really focus on the personality part of the brand. And, and Bobby, you do a great job of this. Like they're coming to your site to get answers and then they're joining your list to get more or the next level, but then they're getting to know you. And I do think that people buy from personalities. They buy from people that they like. And there's also this element of entertainment. Like if somebody's listening to this podcast, they're sure they want to learn something, but they also like, we get this all the time. People just like listening to us talk and banter and like do these kind of things, you know, but they want to be entertained. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, there's just under, I think as we're all going through this, we have to understand is like, when is it about entertainment and when is it about giving answers? Right. And where does that fall into it? When it is a search, it's about give me the answer. And when it's, they're coming back on their own, it's about, it's, that's where it tends to be more entertainment or where they've given you permission to come to them 
like in their email inbox or when they subscribe to your YouTube channel or follow you on Instagram, right? Like that's less teaching. Here's the answer and more of the other stuff. Well, I mean, this goes back to why user intent and user experience is much more than ever in the eyes of Google. I mean, keep in mind, Google looks at your site as if it was a user using your site. So it actually analyzes the page with their bot and renders the page as if a user sees it. So that goes back to why user experience is becoming more and more important as ever. So things, what do you have above the fold? You, you go for organic search. And I, this is something I've really complained to many of my clients is you have all these actionable buttons above the fold. Yet Google is saying, no, I, we don't want that. We want you to add value first before you go for the kill and go for that transaction or that conversion. So you got to add, you got to push stuff further down the page or add value in ways that you're, again, buy now, right? You know, big, big blinking lights at the top of the fold. Google's not going to rank for that page because the intent is horrible. The user experience is horrible for that. So if anything, more so is becoming even more important how well the user experience is. And again, it's harder to gain that as well. And it depends on what you're doing too, right? Like this has been a really hard thing for me coming from where I come from and talking about like, how do we make the blog better and stuff where I'm so used to optimizing everything for conversion. And so things that I would do on a landing page, you might go for the kill a little quicker because you're trying to, you're sent, you're, you're forcing people into there. You know, it's just, it's, you're paying for it. So it's going versus yep. I need to make Google happy so that they will send it to me for free, you know, and it's totally different. Um, it's a common mistake for SEO optimization. People will optimize for transaction when Google's like, no, no, you, you've got, you can do paid traffic for that. But organic search, you need to do something in return first in order to rank. Right. You just can't go for that kill. And, and it's very rare nowadays you'll see, and you'll see that in the search results. In the end, I always say success leaves clues. And Google will tell you based on just the keyword you search in Google, what, what they like and what they don't like. You know, ultimately, Google will tell you what they like based on the search results. They'll say, you look at the, you know, that keyword you're trying to rank for, and you'll see pages of long content with a lot of different details without transactions on it or affiliate links or, or sign up now buttons. It's, that's the reason why. Google doesn't want to see you know, your buy now right at the bottom of the fold. So you got to make sure you, you follow the rules. And again, Google will tell you that. So is there like a balance, like, I mean, you know, because here's a good example. You're writing a blog page, you know. Um, I remember when, when Bobby and I were first up, well, when he was doing his site design, but I know even like when we were working on, we're working on our site re redesign, you know, I'm drawn to, I see certain sites and it was like they have, you know, the opt-in banner at the top where it's like, to me, I look at it and go, okay, cool. It's like, here's the title and here's the content, but there's just like this banner at the top that's encouraging people to download the relevant lead magnet, right? And, you know, we had had conversations. It was like, look, we need to not have that from a Google perspective, you know, but at the same time, you want to get people on your email list because that's like the one thing you own. So is it just pushing all of that stuff way down to the bottom instead of focusing on having it be this very noticeable thing, like a big button at the bottom, it's having it more like just kind of embedded into the text. Like what is there, did those kind of things like what's the best way to kind of have that balance or is it just, no, let's focus on just bringing everybody in and they'll find their way. Well, I mean, let's use the, let's use an easier example to understand is ad banners. Uh, ad banners is something that's a class issue in the space. People will fill a page with tons of ad banners and, you know, meaning like they, they start to rank for certain keywords. So they go, okay, we got to figure out how to make money on this page. Let's put ad banners on there. Right. 
And then they'll start really populating it now with just one or two ad banners, but literally five, 10, 15 ads on a page. And over time, you'll see the ranking will slowly decrease. It's not like overnight, but Google will say, no, this is too transactional. And so Google gives you that feedback. It's not instantaneous. It could be literally over six months, let's say, where you rank number one. So I would go an error on initially less transactional for a page and just go for the content, the quality of that content and how to build up your pages and then slowly introduce transactions on those pages as they rank and then not make sure you don't go overboard, you know, don't go too much and just see what happens over time. There's no hardened rule of you can't add X amount of affiliate links on a page, let's say. But, you know, Google really compares your results from others in the search results and says, okay, this one's not as effective, so therefore we're going to rank it less over time. And I, I use the analogy of the, you don't have to outrun your, you know, your, um, the bear, you have to outrun the competition. You know, Google, ultimately, it's SEO is about your competing blogs and how well your site is compared to others. And that's really key. Is you've got to be better than your competition in order to rank. My next question is when you're creating the content, like you talk about, like it's all about competition and beating your competitors. And to me, my very limited knowledge of SEO, of just what I've absorbed from listening to you two, like to me, I feel like one of the most important things if you're looking for an article after you've identified the keyword you want to go after is just saying, okay, what are other people doing? and identifying those elements and trying to create a better version. Like, I, I feel like that's the 80-20 the principle for SEO. And I could be totally wrong, but like, that's just my perspective of, if I want to get this keyword, well, if I go look at the top three results and I start writing down, okay, they included this, this, they included this, like what are the things they've included that are like common? And then maybe one article has this thing that the other ones don't, and this one has this thing the others don't. It's like, okay, well, if I include both of those, now I have a more comprehensive one. Now, if I can make it more organized and I can make it more succinct, then I've created a better piece of content and I'm going to climb. And like, to me, if I were starting with no one else to advise me, I think like that's the approach I would take is just go, okay, I've identified the word. I'm going to create the better article based on seeing what, what's working. Can it really be that simple? It is. But I'll add to that. It's, it's not only creating content and making sure you, you answer all the questions that people have for that said topic, but it's, it's also presentation. It's all in the, it's like, it's an analogy of like, I guess food, you know, when you go to a restaurant, it's all in the presentation of the food and how well it's mm-hmm. presented. When you go to a high class restaurant, you know, they'll be presenting the food and delivering it in a certain way where, you know, if your blog doesn't look professional looking, that definitely affects the authoritativeness or how much people think of you as an expert. And that's really an area I focused on on Investor Junkie quite a bit right from the get-go is making sure we looked better than the competition. We just looked more professional and had a better user experience. We had widgets, again, not purely just the content play. We had comparison tools on the pages for our reviews. We had a table to easily understand what the various features and functionality of this service compared to this other one. So it made it very easy to look at the data because a lot of people just don't outright read a page. I mean, you'll get those people on your site, but a lot of people right. like to skim. I mean, look at what, how we all surf websites. We skim a lot and catch what catches our eye visually. And therefore, you've you got to present that content visually as well to catch that person's eye and have a longer page on time on page where that helps increase your ranking for Google. So all those, it's not just purely, you can write you know, the best content in the world and the page looks like it was done by a six-year-old you know, no one's going to visit it. Unfortunately, that, you know, presentation is part of that factor. Yeah, to me, it's, it's been amazing. The more I've learned about this, and I guess it's the same for all marketing 
all aspects of marketing, but there's so much more. It, it seems like it's more art than science a lot of the time, even though SEO, like from a, you know, a thousand foot view, it seems like it's just science. Like you, you know, like you just do this thing, you write a better article and it ranks. Um, but I know like even you were going through crazy egg results or, or the snapshots that we had in crazy egg for the millennial money man site. And just looking at how people were interacting on the page via heat maps. Uh, and you mentioned that like, this is more art than science. And a lot of it was SEO based where it was like, Hey, people aren't looking at this specific thing that you have above the fold uh, or they're not using this. And like through that, you were able to figure out that we are actually the title that we were using on one of the articles was not the correct title. And we needed to use it. We needed to add one word to where it would bring in the right people. It was, it's, cr it's crazy well, how, well, let's see, yeah, let's use that example. Yeah. Let's use that example. So that's a great example for your site where, I mean, you may be, and I had the example, let's back up for a second. I, let's use one example I had myself, is I was ranking on Investor Junkie for what's called MLPs, or Master Limited Partnerships, right? Yeah. A Master Limited Partnership, they basically widow and orphans type great investment. But I was getting a lot of traffic to my blog, and I started digging into why I was getting all this traffic. It turns out MLP can also stand for My Little Pony. So I was getting tweens searching my, for that keyword, ranking for my uh, topic in Google, it was not relevant for my site. So the intent was all off. Right. So for your site, it, we're, you're ranking for a keyword. I mean, we can mention it if you want. Yeah, that's, you. Fine. that's fine. I mean, it was uh, DoorDash versus Postmates. 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 Yeah. So they're both, you know, with the age of COVID, everyone's searching for, you know, to find places to not only eat, to have it delivered to you, but also for jobs since our unemployment is relatively high. So therefore, you know, for your end, you're being a side hustle site. You obviously want to attract the people who are interested in the side hustle part of, you know, both those two services, right. as opposed to someone looking to, you know, use one of those services as a place to, to buy food from. So you want to make sure you attract one audience and repel the other. Because if you don't want to get, and you're getting right now, as is, you're getting people who are interested in both being a driver, but also, you know, potentially ordering food from. So you want to repel those people and don't even have to go to your site. So by adding a keyword, let's say, or drivers, or adding drivers, it'll help improve your SERP, yeah. and therefore increase, perhaps even more people will click on it that are interested in driving, but also repel the ones that aren't. Again, you don't want SEO and, and paid traffic is just as important, especially since you're paying for that traffic. You want the intent to match both the search results and what they see on the page. And Google will ultimately reward you for that. If the intent is, if the intent is correct, it will reward you for that. Right. Yeah, and it's crazy. And, and just even that small change, that's probably going to affect how we do titles and, and search snippets for like most of our side hustle content. Like we've got to now think not only like who are we trying to bring in, but like are we bringing in the customer? Are we bringing in the person that's trying to do the side hustle? Like what what is this actually, what happens when people search this? So it's really interesting. So hopefully Deacon isn't listening to this podcast because he just did a DoorDash Fresh Postmates post uh -oh. in July. Yes. <laughs> so, but it, it, and if you look at the search results, I'm just pulling up Google right now, DoorDash versus Postmates. The first one is, that ranks is, which is better for customers? Dot, right. dot, dot, with ellipses, no less. And the next one is, which is better for drivers? Right. <laughs> so yeah. people are going to go, if they're interested in being a driver, they'll click on the second one, the Ridester.com one. Where the, if they're actually, they're both from Ridester, both articles, interestingly enough. So they, they've narrowed down their, their intent actually create two separate articles to solve the needs of both audiences. Interesting enough. Which I do think is interesting. I was number one on this like yesterday. I, I disappeared. You're actually, you are number one right now. You show up as featured snippet. Oh, see, I don't see that on desktop. See, that's, 
SEO. So complicated. But yeah, no, I just think it's really interesting. It's like you, I feel like SEO can be discouraging for a lot of people that are, that are newer because there's so much to it. But I think the more experienced you get and the more you just kind of immerse yourself in it, you realize like how much of an art form it is. And you're really just like using past experiences or just little clues that you see on your site and in Google to like make these kind of small tweaks that can actually make big differences in your revenue and, and you know, how your site ranks and all of that. I mean, I'm all about the 1% improvements over time. I mean, in your case, you mentioned the, the uh, service Crazy Egg, which I'm a, a big fan of, not only for paid traffic. In other words, you put it on your page and it'll show you the heat map of where people are sitting on the page, where they're not interested, what they're clicking on, what they're not clicking on. In some cases, even graphics they're not click- they're clicking on, even though it's not a link to go somewhere. Yeah. And the same thing applies using that same tool for SEO as well, where what they're reading on the page, what they're not interested in. And it'll tell you, it gives you feedback on, well, you, you thought this was the best thing since sliced bread for this said topic or said article, but yet no one's reading that part of the article and they're just skipping right. it. And it tells you, it gives you feedback on that, that thing. You need that feedback loop on both in paid and organic search, uh, which most people, again, don't do. That's, that's definitely another classic mistake. And you're really trying to improve these 1% improvements over time that can yield huge results or huge improvements from especially paid traffic from negative ROI ad, ad campaigns to positive ROI campaigns. With organic search, it can mean a difference from, a, you know, especially if you're doing affiliate marketing for a few thousand to tens of thousands on a page alone. I think just like this episode on SEO and the last one we did with you on affiliate marketing, like one of the big things that I've kind of gleaned from you over the last uh, year and a half or so is that you have to not only like invest in these different tools uh, in your business, but the reason that you need to invest in them is because you need to make data informed decisions in your business. And that's, that's like the biggest thing that I think a lot of bloggers, even newer bloggers and experienced bloggers, they just don't do like what you're talking about with like using a pretty simple, you know, using crazy egg to do heat maps on your page. There's plenty of content that is kind of like not needed at all in a blog post that people aren't even looking at on many of my blog posts. So when we go into the editing process and the writing process, like we're going to make those tweaks and make sure that we're making, we're putting in like the, the stuff that matters. And we'll but in some cases, kind of- yeah, I was going to say in some cases you'll be very page specific. I mean, there's one example yeah. on your site that you have a table of contents that works really well. And yeah. another page, they just outright ignore it. And it's right. not this, there's some, there are some general rules to apply but some of it can be very page specific, very intent specific that you kind of, what you may think is right. Again, I may have some preconceived notions of what works and what doesn't based on my experience, but I let the users tell me in the end. That's really what ultimately, it is data driven. You let the data tell you what to do, not the other way around. Right. Which goes back to like, if you're making money or if you want to make money, like you've got to make some of these investments in some of these tools that aren't, not all of them are very expensive. You know, like crazy egg isn't that crazy expensive. But, you know, if you're somebody that's like, I'm not going to spend any money on my blog, then it's going to be really hard for you to compete because I've also learned about SEO that it is very much an arms race and you are competing. Like if you start getting into the high volume keywords and like, for me, what I'm trying to do with some of the personal finance stuff, like you're competing against like the big boys and girls, like you're competing against people that really put a lot of time and effort and money and energy into ranking for those keywords because their whole business is based on it. So you've got to play at that level or at least try to, or else you're not even going to be able to, to compete at all. You know? So that's just, I think that's the theme for me for these two episodes is like, you have to invest back in your business and you have to make data to inform decisions to actually be successful. Without question. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. I just thought of as you guys were talking. So you create a piece of content, you put it out there. 
Is there a certain amount of time that you wait before you kind of go back and evaluate and say, is this one working? That's a good question. I mean, it depends on, there's a lot of factors to that. I mean, if, if it's a new site like mine where you really don't rank for anything, you know, you have to kind of throw some stuff against the wall and see if it sticks and just, you know, wait over time. And that should be three, six months a year in some cases. Whereas if you're already ranking for said topics in that niche, it should be relatively quickly. When I mean by relatively quickly, and some of it depends on the search volume of that said keyword, it could be a day or two. It could be a few weeks mm-hmm. too. And yeah, I mean, Google, and in some cases too, you can play what's called the Google dance, where one minute you're ranking number three, the next minute you're ranking 15 or 20. You know, Google's trying to figure out where you fit in the grand scheme of things. And you kind of have to let that settle after a while. So I would say in general, a general rule of thumb, probably I would wait three to six months before you do any major changes to your blog post. And so then I guess the next question is, you know, we've talked about like, if you have something that's doing well, going back and optimizing it and making it more efficient, right? Or, you know, making it more productive for you. But when you put something out there, maybe you did your keyword research and it's something that you want to hit on and it's not working. Do you go back and try to just fix that one or improve it or figure out what's wrong, you know, whether it's changing the title or the content or whatever, or is it, let's try this again. Um, I mean, usually what I first recommend is doing like an annual audit, you know, looking through your site, looking what you get traffic, what you don't, and then determining to your point, whether you delete it, whether you merge them, whether you just outright improve the post. And it can be a combination of all those three. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are examples on my own site that I'm not currently ranking for that I do want to rank for, and, and some of them are very competitive as well. So it takes time, and some of it's just purely getting more backlinks. But in some cases, it is purely, can you write this content better than the others? Can you add value with it or not? You know, I think in those terms. And if in some cases, it's, there is, it's purely just an arms race, and one minute you're ranking number one or very high, and the next minute you're not. And that's the risk of SEO, is there... There are cases where you could rank very well for a keyword and then all of a sudden disappear in a few weeks or a month. And you've got to then have other ways to get traffic to those said pages. That's where, you know, paid traffic, in my eyes, is part of that balancing act, is you do paid traffic as well for certain pages and or create your own landing pages as well. Like I'm doing, again, an ad campaign for starting a blog where right now I'm not ranking very high for the organic search, but I can do very well for the paid traffic because of, you know, again, it's all about optimization and how to make sure you get from a lead to a conversion. Well, Larry, do you have any final notes or thoughts or anything before we put a bow on this one? Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to find out more information about me, I mean, I have, I'll be all fancy here. I have, uh, you can go to LarryLidwood.com slash podcast and you can you sign up and actually have an affiliate marketing lead magnet that you'd probably be interested in. And then I have also a, you can text Larry podcast, all one word to, 31996. That's Larry Podcast 31996 to sign up to my mailing list that way as well. God, you're so fancy, man. Yes. I'm, I'm in the so tech. Fancy. I was never heard. I'm into technology. I didn't even know you could do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that. I mean, whether you get a lot of signups, well, keep in mind, where are people when they usually listen to their podcast? I know. It's smart. It's like, yeah, it's, it is smart. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I mean, I think the only thing I've ever done like close to that was if you remember Bobby, the first time we like went to FinCon, I didn't have any business cards or anything. So I made those business cards that had the bear on them. And then on the back, I had a URL. And if anybody typed in the URL, it was actually a mini chat funnel. <laughs> no, that's right. And I like, 
I built the funnel on the plane. I set the URL and then like just built it on the plane and it started dripping people our content and getting them into our system. I think we actually like popped a couple of sales off of it, but I've, that's, I mean, that's the not- only fancy thing I've ever done. Well, the whole goal is to attribute where your source of your traffic. Podcasts are really horrible for right. attributing where where they come from, and this is at least some way to do it. That's awesome. Awesome. So it's LarryLudwig.com slash podcast, and then you tax. What was that again? Larry Podcast 31996. 31996. I stuck with that number. I mean, I, that's something I got chosen for the service I use. There's some that get really fancy and have some sort of acronym for their number. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge with everybody. And uh, we really appreciate it. Guys, check out Larry's stuff. You'll, you'll learn a lot. We, we learn a lot every day. So thanks for coming on, man. That's it for today's episode. But before you go, I want to tell you about a couple of ways that Bobby and I can help you grow your online business. The first one, if you haven't actually started an online business yet and are looking for a way to start making money online, you got to check out our number one recommended side hustle which is creating Facebook ads for other businesses. It pays incredibly well, it's a low time investment, and it's an incredibly high demand. It's also the quickest way we know how to build a six-figure income online. So check it out, we teach you all about it inside of our course, and you can find out more about it in the show notes. Now, if you wanna start a blog, you should check out our free blogging course. Bobby's put a lot of time into this. In over eight days, we're gonna drip feed you with incredible information about how to start and grow your blog. Whether you don't have one yet or you have one and you really want to take it to the next level, this is a great resource for you. Check it out in the show notes. And finally, if you go to youtube.com slash laptop empires, that's our YouTube channel. We put out fantastic content every single week, helping you build, grow an online business. And we really get into the nitty gritty. Sometimes I'm sharing my screen. Sometimes we're teaching you. We have great interviews with other experts that we bring in. And I really think you're going to like it. And then, of course, you can listen to all the back episodes of this podcast where we bring in special guests and Bobby and I share all of our knowledge. All you got to do is subscribe to the channel. Check out all the old episodes. We really appreciate you listening to the show every week and uh, really looking forward to talking to you again next week. See you then. You've been listening to the Laptop Empires podcast with Mike Yonda and Bobby Hoyt. For more information and the resources mentioned in this episode, go to laptopempires.com forward slash podcast. Yeah.